Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Monday. This is the 1st of February of 2021. It's amazing how fast time is flying in our midst. This is just a sign, amen, that we are living the last days. We'd like to take the time to welcome you, the listener, uh, for tuning in today on this podcast uh, for the support, the faith, uh, standing in the gap with us, praying, and just how much it, your faith means to us and to this podcast. And we'd like to welcome you for taking time out of your time to study the Word of God with us, discuss, to study, and to look into what God is saying in this hour. Today we are we are happy uh, to have back our uh, Brother Marty, our Brother Fernando, they're joining us, but last week... Uh, we definitely uh, felt the absence of, of our dear brother, Brother Marty, uh, but we are happy to have him back with us. It's been such a uh, 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 a week uh, full of emotions, of grieving, uh, and 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 so many testimonies that that have come. But uh, I, I don't know what he's going to share today. But you know, we're just so happy uh, that we can have Brother Marty back with us and. You know, uh, as we continue, we, we have to continue with the mandate. I think that's the way, uh, I know that's the way uh, Papa Roy, Brother Roy Chacon would want it. He would tell yeah. us, you keep preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. <laughs> that was his heart. That was his heart. I mean, a, he a saxophone no and, a, and a testimony. <laughs> Amen. And as I mentioned the other day, Brother Marty, um, we had the privilege of, of getting to know uh, you know, many, millions of, of people saw him on TV, camp meeting, literally traveled all over the world with his saxophone and a testimony. We had the privilege of, of getting, of knowing him intimately, you know, uh, you know, uh, every year uh, he would go over here and, and pray where we would volunteer to drug addicts, sharing his testimony with people coming out of prison. And it was his joy to do it. Uh, yeah. I was sharing a story uh, one one of the years, he even went to the street and he <laughs> pulled out his saxophone in the middle of the street in, in a little uh, a shopping mall, and he began to play. Man, and, and you could see, you know, just people kind of hiding somewhere, but but listening to that anointing in which he played, and uh, we were so privileged. And definitely, uh, heaven has gained a, a, a servant of God. The, this earth has lost a man of God. They leave a void, you know. And uh, but it's so good to have you back, brother, uh, uh, brother Marty. And uh, I know uh, brother Fernando and myself were here holding the fort, but our hearts uh, were with you guys, as we know also that you were with us in spirit. Amen. So I'll leave it to you, brother Marty, to share what God has placed in your heart, and and uh, we want you to know, man. We've been praying, all of us. There's thousands of people that have been praying and grieving and praying with you and your family and uh i know that they're, they're going to be happy to hear from you today so brother marty i'll leave it to you well praise the lord uh i want to just echo uh brother jeremy's thanks to those who listen all over the world now uh we've been receiving testimonies and and emails and text messages instagram posts from people that are tuning into the podcast from all over the world and it continues to grow and I say that to say that we appreciate and covet all the prayers that you've lifted for the family and uh, and for our precious uh, elder, uh, Grandpa Roy. Well, he's just simply known as Grandpa Roy. 
Um, we ask that you continue to pray for, for, for Grandma Beulah, his wife. They were a team for 65 plus years, and uh, and we're going to need your prayers going forward as far as that goes. But uh, we're we're excited because we're not as those without hope, like the Apostle Paul said. These are the moments where you find out, um, you know, deep inside uh, where you are in your faith, and and where you are as to what you believe, and and the yeah. hope of the gospel. Right? I mean, it's the hope of the gospel. And, you know, my wife testified when she was there, when her father went home to be with the Lord, um, which was a miracle all in itself that they were allowed in the hospital. Um, She talked about um, seeing her father's body and knowing that her daddy wasn't there, you know, and, and, and being able, even in that moment of sadness, yet to find joy and, and, and to know uh, that, that we are spirit and soul you know that god has made us each and every one individually unique and and he cares as jesus said in one time of prayer this week uh, the lord spoke to me about that when the lord said on his great sermon on the mount that he sees even the small the smallest little sparrow fall to the ground and he says how much more doesn't your don't you think that your heavenly father cares about you you know, if he sees the tiniest sparrow fall, he hears the cries of every burdened heart, of every soul that, that prays, of every tragedy that occurs. God is intimately connected to it, especially to his people. And so it is right to weep and mourn for those that we love, but it's also not without hope. It's the thing that's designed right. in many ways to propel us forward to pick up the torch, if you will, in whatever place you may find yourself today, because all of us have unique communities and unique families and experiences, but with every passing of every life, it, there, there's something, especially in the child of God, that we need to reach forward and, and pick up the banner. You know, it, I, right. I, it's much like a, a war, you know, in the old days where the, you know, the, the troops would go out or the soldiers would run in the field of battle and and there'd be one carrying the banner, right, that the troops would rally around. And, and if that one got struck down, someone else would pick it up and continue going forward into the battle. It's much like that when the saints of God, the elders of God go away. The challenge is, is who will pick up the banner or will you, right? But it's the life lived and the glory of God that we that we see in, in those that we love that, that spur us on to be better men, better women, you know, better saints of God. And to join ourselves, you know, in the long line of generations that have gone before us and, and to dare to be better people, to dare to let God have his way in our hearts and bring us to those places where we can assume uh, that that most glorious position of being called a son or a daughter of the Most High God with confidence. You know, David once said in the 119th Psalm, you know, to paraphrase it, basically, oh, Lord, help me to overcome all the things in my life so that when I look into your word, I will not be ashamed when I have respect unto your commandments. In, in these kinds of events, in, in tragedies, in, 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 in deaths, in, in moments of, of uh, you know, questioning, whatever the case may be, it is the Spirit of God that searches through our hearts and, and spurs us on to... Uh, become better people 
and and that's that's all we can really ask of each other right but in this case you know i don't mean to go on there but uh i just want to say thank you my father-in-law was a great man and uh and i had the privilege of knowing him for 36 years and uh and so did my brothers we traveled the world together we uh we stood on platforms in front of hundreds of thousands of people in africa and tens of thousands in Central America and, and, and also my father-in-law to millions by way of television when he ministered uh, in, in those platforms. But the legacy that he leaves us is one of of simple trust and belief in Christ and a life that once it was surrendered, like Brother Jeremy talked about, uh, wherever he was, you know, whether he's playing to millions by way of TV television or the internet or whatever platform the Lord would open up for him or even to the homeless that are hiding in the corners as he would break out his, his, his saxophone and play at a shopping yeah. center on the street. That only <laughs> Jesus can do. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we thank God for that. And in much of that spirit, you know, once we get over the shock of losing somebody, uh, we then reflect on our own lives and begin to ask the question, right. where do we go from here? Yeah. And like Brother Fernando right. was saying before we started this podcast, there is nowhere else to go. Hmm. That's what Peter told Jesus, right? When he turned to his disciples, when many of them forsook yeah. the Lord, he turned to his own and said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where are we supposed to go? <laughs> you yeah. have the words of eternal life. And so we press on and, and, and uh, we ask for your continued prayers. And we just want to thank you and let you know that we pray for you daily as well. We may not know you all, but we sense you in the spirit and your families matter to us. And so we love you and we thank you. And we're just going to spend a few moments today as we begin a new series this week. Um, and I think it's timely. And, and we're going to ask the Lord to bless us as we begin today a, a, a series on the book of Revelation. We're going to start in chapter one, and we're going to go from a perspective that maybe you haven't been used to, but we're praying that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see all the incredible things that are written therein and why they apply to our times right now. So I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy if he wouldn't mind, uh, and if you have your Bibles, to open them to the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, chapter one. We'll read three verses. We'll, it won't be long today, but we're going to get into uh, the beginning of a, of a, of a several-part series on chapter one of the book of Revelation. Brother Jeremy, in Jesus' name, uh, would you read those first three verses to us, please? Amen. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Praise the Lord, the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're going to be exploring this week uh, in chapter one, uh, and we're going to break it apart section by section to, to glean from what it is that the Lord was was revealing here and is revealing. The book of Revelation is quite a unique book in that it was given to 
to the Apostle John while he was on, on the Isle of Patmos. And we'll get into that in the coming days and, and how he ended up in Patmos. But what I find fascinating is, is that John had been banished to the island. Uh, he's elderly. He's probably in his, in his late 90s or early 90s, some scholars say. And, and in that place of isolation, a prison island. Patmos actually means uh, my killing. That's literally what it means, my killing. So in many ways, it was it was what the world was intending to do to this great servant of God as, as, as Domitian had banished him to the island of Patmos. It was said that John had endured being boiled in oil. They couldn't kill him. He was, uh, he was quite a man. But while he's there, what fascinates me is that even in isolation, John goes on to say, I was in the spirit, and which teaches us that we don't need to to have all the trappings that we think we need. You know, by the time John reaches the, the, the Isle of Patmos, he's a seasoned veteran of the cross. He's he's the apostle of Jesus Christ, and, and, and he's so uh, developed by the Spirit of God that, that he has come to this place now, and, and, and the Lord's about to unfold the greatest 22 chapters, I think, that are written in the Scripture, because they bring us to the end of all things and then going forward into the far-flung future. That's why it's presented as, as th- those things which, uh, <laughs> which are uh, the things which were and the things that are yet to be. It's, it's, an, it's a living book, and it's been echoing down through the last 2,000 years, uh, its testimony. And so I want to begin to look at this because I find it very uh, fascinating on who it was that the Lord chose and decided to reveal these things to. You know, John was unique amongst the apostles, if you think about it. He's first introduced to us as as, uh, as, as being with Andrew, the apostle Peter's brother. They were disciples of John the Baptist. And so amongst all the disciples, him and Andrew were the first ones to see the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ baptized by, by John, and John would write and testify of how he heard the heavens, uh, the voice from the heavens that said, this is my beloved son and who I'm well pleased. And John would record how the Lord himself would, uh, they would follow him, that, that John the Baptist released them to follow Jesus, and they went running after him and, and asked him where he lived, right? And so Jesus said, come and see. And so would begin the adventure of this great apostle's life. And we don't have, you know, we don't have to go through the the whole life, but but he was unique amongst the apostles. He was called at one time a son of thunder. They had gone to Samaria and they tried to tell him that Jesus was coming, and they really were angry because they wanted Jesus to worship at Mount Gerizim and stay with them. And they found out Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They had a religious dispute. It made James and John angry, and they told the Lord that he should call fire down and just burn them all up, right? So he was called the son of thunder. And uh, and to think about the level of sensitivity that would ultimately be worked in his heart by the Holy Spirit so that he becomes known not as a son of thunder, but the beloved disciple, the disciple who would write more about love when you read his letters uh, probably than any of the other ones. Uh, it's, it's an extraordinary thing, but yet it, it is with note that these were the qualities that were developed in his heart and life so that by the time he reaches this point, he's been perfectly positioned by the Holy Spirit 
to receive from the Lord Jesus Christ what's about to be unfolded here in the book of Revelation. I want to look at those things today and also point this out. In the book of Revelation, there is more given to us, uh, uh, more insight given to us of the development of, of the wicked one that is yet to come in our time. Uh, we call him the Antichrist, the son of perdition, that wicked one. Uh, Apollyon, who takes possession of this one, who becomes the Antichrist. All of that would be revealed in the book of Revelation. So it's interesting that it was also John who sat at the Passover table who had Judas revealed to him when John asked him who was going to betray him, the Lord revealed it to John. So we had hints even then at the Passover table, the night that Jesus would be arrested and then taken to trial and ultimately suffer on Calvary. John had it revealed to him that night, the night before, who the betrayer was. So all these years later, it's interesting to me that, you know, even then, uh, the Lord was preparing him, creating pathways of ability to see, to hear, and to receive by the Spirit of God. What would be his ultimate, you know, what's the word, his opus, if you will, the book of Revelation, where he would record everything that he saw. So there's other things that we need to understand about the book of Revelation. I wrote a few things down here so I wouldn't forget it. Uh, as the Lord's given it to me, one of the things that you need to understand whenever you go into the book of Revelation is that it, it is filled with symbolism, symbolic language. But more than that, uh, also the two are connected. It is it is to be understood as you see pattern unfold. And what you'll see in the book of Revelation is it it's a culmination of all the prophets. All that had been revealed by the holy ancient prophets in the Old Testament, so to speak, whether it's Isaiah, Hosea, Zechariah, Daniel, go down the list, uh, Amos, all of them have contributed in many ways to, to, to the book of Revelation. That is basically what the book of Revelation is. It's the unveiling of all the prophetic scriptures that went before it and then culminating as, as the Lord himself reveals it to John. And so you you have to understand it by pattern. It's revealed as pattern. I'll give you an example. In verse 1, we see a pattern of three emerge. As a matter of fact, in the first three verses, the pattern of three is a consistent theme. In verse 1, we see it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, that's one, to what? Show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass, that's two things. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Three things. So it's it's the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gives to him, one, in order to show it to his servants what's going to come to pass shortly, two, and then how he sent it into the earth to John, three. So already from the very first verse, we begin to see pattern, patterns of three. You go into the second verse, you see the same thing. He what? He bears record of the word of God, and <laughs> which is one, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is two, and of all things that he sees. Again, we have three. The, the word of God, the testimony of Jesus, and all the things that he sees. Another pattern of three. And then verse three, the same thing. Blessed is he that readeth, that's one. He that hears the words of the prophecy, that's two and keeps those things that are written for the time as it had. That's three. So we see the, the book of Revelation immediately begins to reveal to us 
that it is to be understood in patterns. In this mm. case, the first three verses are, are opened up in patterns of three. And that is, as, you, as it is enlarged and you go through the book, the same way that it's, it's unveiled when it comes to the wrath of God, right? You have patterns of three. You have the seven uh, seals. You have the seven trumpets, right? And you have the seven vials. And then they culminate with what? Three woes. So there's patterns of three. There's a, there's a pattern of three sets of seven, right? The vials, the trumpets, and, and, and the seals, all culminating in the three woes. So again, I'm just giving you a, a really brief overview here, but it's how that we begin to understand and, and uh, to unlock what is hidden there and, and what can be gleaned from it. And, and in many senses, the deeper truths that are meant to be expressed to us as we approach it from that perspective. And I could dig in that for about an hour or two, but we'll just leave it at that. But listen, also the first chapter can be broken up into eight separate parts. And that's what we're going to explore this week are the eight separate parts that are found within the chapter itself. And I'll just give you a brief overview real quick. The first part is verse one through three. It basically deals with what we're going to deal with today real quickly here. We'll see if we can get through it. But verse one through three is, is it's like the postscript. John's already seen the entire book of Revelation. And so when he introduces the book, he introduces it after the revelation. He begins to write, and it's an introduction, the first three verses. So that's the first part. The second part is verse 4 through 7. And you'll see this if you, if you take notes and, and go look at it. Uh, he then introduces himself as the spokesman to the seven churches, from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's how he then takes the next section. So he starts by giving you a great overview and how everything's happening and what it's all about. And then he begins to draw our attention to who it's for, the seven churches. And the seven churches, him as the intermediary, as the messenger sent to the seven churches, but speaking on behalf of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's verse 4 through 7. The third part is... Is, is a simple declaration of the Father, and we'll dig into this in the coming days, but it's just one verse, verse 8, where he's introduced as the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the Lord which is, which was, and is to come, the Almighty. So the very first one in section 3 of chapter 1 that begins to speak is the Father himself, the Almighty. Then we go on to verse uh, the fourth part, which is verse 9 through 10. He begins to deal with the location where he was, right, the island of Patmos, and how the revelation came to him. That's verse 9 and 10. The fifth section of chapter 1 is simply another uh, verse, the 11th verse. This time we see the introduction of the Holy Spirit. He identifies himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and how we know that this is representative of the seven spirits before the throne of God or the Holy Spirit himself, is that he commands John to write what he sees in a book. This is the task and the, um, the, 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 the work of the spirit, right? He reveals and he teaches. And so the second part of the Godhead is now revealed in verse 11, which we'll deal with in the coming days. He's revealed as the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the one who commands uh, what is seen to be written in the book to the seven churches. He's the revealer. He's the Holy Spirit. Then we get to the sixth 
section of chapter 1, which is verse 12 through 16. That is the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. That's how he's introduced in verse 13, the Son of Man. So he begins to introduce Jesus to us as judge, because that's a term of the judge, the Son of Man. That's the same term that Daniel used in Daniel chapter 7 when he sees one like the Son of Man brought to the Ancient of Days, and the kingdom is given to him, and an everlasting dominion is given to him, and a kingdom which will never end. He comes as judge. And so now he's beginning to unfold to us in this uh, sixth section, verse 12 through 16, Jesus as judge. And it's setting the tone for the rest of the book of Revelation. He's coming as the judge. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So then we come to the seventh section of chapter one, and that's Jesus Christ himself manifested as uh, the first and the last. And then verse 18, he introduces himself as three I am's, right? Uh, in verse 17, mm. I am the first and the last. In verse 18, I am he that liveth, was dead, and behold, I am, again, the third I am, alive forevermore. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. So by the time we get to the seventh section and Jesus introducing himself as the three I am, we now have a revelation of, of, of the Trinity wrapped up in one, right? God manifested in the flesh, the son of the living God. He is God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. So verse eight is the father. Verse 11 is the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 and 18 is the son. And that is what we see John unfolding to us as Jesus gave it to him. And then the final section of chapter one is verse 19 and 20. It is now the command. And the command is revealed as the past, the present, and the future. That's what he tells him in verse uh, verse uh, 19, to write the things that he has seen, which is past, which are, which is present, and which shall be hereafter, that's future. And what we need to understand about how the Lord is communicating now is that all three are not uh, sections of of history that will occur one after the other, so to speak, but that in the economy of God, they are ever present at the same time. What do you mean by that? I mean, past, present, and future are one. They're all the mm -hmm. same thing, and that's how he reveals them. So that's what we're going to be looking at this week as we dig into these eight eight parts of chapter one, and should the Lord allow us to go forward in the coming days, we'll continue to break it down. I think that it's it's vital that we begin to be led in this direction by the Spirit of God, because I think what he's telling us is the days are now here. And what we're going to see is, is this book unlocked like it has never been unlocked before. Suddenly we're going to understand it in, in, in ways that we have never understood it before, and we're going to understand what it is proclaiming to us because the time is at hand. And and that is precisely what the angel Gabriel told the prophet Daniel way back when, when he said, look, what's, what's been revealed to you is going to be sealed up until the time of the end. Then it'll be open. I believe we've reached those days. So Brother Jeremy, could you start us again as we, as we hurry? I just gave you an overview there, but I don't want to take too much time today. I just want to lay the foundation. There's a lot of information I just gave you, but start with verse one and let's see what we can find out there. Amen. And, and I encourage the listeners, take notes. These are very uh, key things that Brother Marty has just, uh, it's a good foundation. And so if you have your notes, write notes. And this, I know, will, will help um, 
to understand these things. I just wanted to encourage the listeners. Uh, read, read verse one, two, three. You said, brother. No, just verse one. We'll start with verse one. Verse one. Mm -hmm. Amen. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Amen. So, first of all, this is very, very interesting what we begin to learn here and what begins to to unfold. The word, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It, many Bibles say the revelation of St. John the Divine, or, or they say this is John's writing of the book of Revelation. That's really not accurate. How John revealed it to us is that what he's writing and what he's recording is is an unveiling or the lifting off of a covering uh, that, that God gave to his only begotten son. So this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus's insight that God gave to him. And, and it's his revelation. And it was given to him by God, his father. And so what's about to unfold in the next 22 chapters is, is, is an insight is being given to us of how God actually talked to his son and what he showed him. And, and that's what we're being, we're being shown here. Listen to this. It says that God gave it to him, right? Verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. Now, let's just think about mm -hmm. that for a moment, right? Because what this shows us, if we'll take the time to see it and ponder it, is the interaction of the real person of Jesus Christ. He's no longer a separate component uh, you know, without a body. He has forever identified himself with saved humanity, his brothers and sisters. So he's introduced to us as Jesus Christ. And whenever you see the term Jesus and then Christ following it, it has to do with things that pertain to events on the earth. And whenever you see the term Christ Jesus, it has to do with Christ's ministry as it pertains to things in heaven. And so what we're seeing here right off the bat is that this, this revelation that's being given to Jesus Christ is a revelation given to the man, the anointed man, who is now going to reveal to his servants in the earth what is going to happen and what will be the conclusion of all matters in the counsel and purposes of his father. It shows interaction. God gave it to him. And so it reveals to us right off the bat that something given is usually something that comes about by request. In other words, if I ask you for a glass of water and you give me a glass of water, I first petitioned you for the glass of water. So what we're seeing here right off the bat is an insight by the Spirit given to us by his servant John showing us the interaction of Jesus the Christ as the great intercessor of humanity, but more so in this function in heaven as he's seeing him, he's interceding on behalf of his servant. That's another clue that we have. Because it and says that Marty, God, the word the word gave does does mean to grant something. So which implies, it, it, was, it implies that something has been asked for. Yes. 
And that's incredible. <laughs> oh, man. Right. Think about that. We just pause for a moment what you just said there. Because we can look at it from this point of view as well. What if he hadn't asked for it? Hmm. So it, it another level of unveiling of the kind of king that we serve. Right. You know how you always hear, and this is fresh in my mind, well, they ain't worried about nothing now You know, after they pass away and they go home into glory, right? They're with Jesus now. They ain't even thinking about us. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're in his presence. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but when it comes to our great high priest, our Lord and Savior, our King, we're ever on his mind. Hallelujah. Because, <laughs> because he's asked. Right? He's asking God for something. Think of that. Think of the profound thought of that. That he is in the dimension of eternity. He is in heaven proper. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is witnessing thousands times ten thousands of angels ministering unto the, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's in the throne of God where all things consist and are held together by his, his will. And he's there interacting at a high and spiritually perfected energetic level requesting something. As if it is another and additional component that was necessary to bring about the ever unfolding counsel, will, and purpose of the Creator, His Father, and our Father as well. And God gave it to Him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It, sh- <laughs> it shows the interaction between God the Father and God the Son it, on behalf of His servants. Go ahead. Marty, would it imply, I don't know, uh, as well, I'm thinking that it's been asked for by others and, you know, it was declined, right? The, the 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 desire was not granted. Because um, later on, John, you know, John begins to weep because no, nobody's yeah. worthy, right? Yeah. Nobody's found worthy throughout heaven. So I guess maybe it gives the implication that others tried to step up and ask that question perhaps, um, but it, it wasn't granted to them. Only Jesus, right? Right, and then we'll just stop right there because that's that's an incredible thought, right? Because you're you're exactly right. In chapter five, read that, brother Jeremy. In chapter five, I think it is, or is it four, where he weeps? No, it's chapter five. Let, read, just read verse four there. Well, verse three, three and four. Three and four. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. So what we have revealed there is basically what Brother Fernando was just pointing out. Is it possible uh, that that what's being revealed is that is that maybe others in the past or whatever, but none of them qualified, in other words, because the emphasis is on mankind, right? No man. No man was found worthy. 
this is the this is the mystery of the gospel. This is the mystery of godliness that Paul how Paul termed it, right? The mystery of godliness that God became a man. It's the thing that blew away the Greek world. Yeah. They just couldn't fathom such a thing, that the Almighty would reduce himself down to the material elements of creation. Are you kidding me? I mean, they couldn't deal with it. And to the Jew, it's a stumbling block. I mean, what do you mean that he had to die for my sins? I mean, it was so complex what you're talking about, brother. But here's the thought, that God was would wrap himself in human flesh and, and forever permanently identify himself with humanity in order to present before himself an intercessor on behalf of those that he had always intended to be his sons and daughters. For it's stated in the book of Genesis, let us make man in our image. So yes, right. brother. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and also... Uh, you know, that thought that you brought, um, we see in verse 2 of chapter 5 that he says, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Telling us again, it was a question being asked. Yes. And it was granted, <laughs> hallelujah, it was granted to Jesus, right? The Son of God. It yeah, and think about you. And what, yeah, and what you just read, don't lose that because that's powerful because verse 3 goes on to say that a search was made, right? Yes. Mm, right. Because it, it, if, if there's no man in heaven, no man under the earth, no man in the earth, uh, that no man was found, that means they mm -hmm. were looking and searching. Hallelujah. Right? Mm -hmm. And then... and. And then we know in verse 5 that he says, you don't have to cry. You know, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. Abraham saw my day, right? And he was glad. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he's prevailed. Verse 5, right? Read that, Brother Jeremy, would you? And one of the elders said unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. That word prevail, that, that indicates conflict. Yes, yes. Overcome. Yes. Do you have your, your Greek thing there, Brother Jeremy? What, is it, what uh, does prevail mean? Yes, verse 5, prevail. Here we go. It means to subdue, to conquer, overcome. Prevail, get the victory. Wow. Well, think of those words there. To subdue. To subdue something implies mm -hmm. that it is, that it is out of control, and yeah, it needs great. right. It needs to be subjected to a higher authority, a stronger authority, and so it right away what's being revealed to us and which is what we're looking at here in chapter one the reason god gave it to him the revelation the revelation is more than just information the revelation mm. is creation mm. it is the 
all the building materials, all the hammers, the nails, the, you know, the saws, you know, everything that you will need to to lay foundation and construct a new paradigm. Absent death, hell, and the grave. Absent all rebellion. This talks about conflict. And 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 remember, man created in the image of God. Go ahead. I was going to say, Brother Marty, it's so powerful. This uses the words to subdue. Yes. Into the unseen world. Yes. Before before creation, before mankind was even created. Revelations chapter 1, verse 1, takes us to the very beginning, before the foundation of the world, where these kind of questions are being asked, right? Yeah. You know who yeah. is worthy, and and who and who is the one that needs to be subdued? Right. Well, we know that we know that there was one within the angelic ranks that that rebelled. His name, his name initially was Lucifer, and we know him now as the dragon, as Satan, right? The accuser yeah. of the brethren. This is so powerful because we are getting insight into the affairs of 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 the of, of heaven, the unseen world. Yes. The conversations that are taking place, the questions that are taking place, a searching that is taking place, almost like all of creation, the angelic beings yeah. are asking this question, well, we know a rebellion took place. It's almost the question is being asked to, to God the Father, how are you going to fix this? That's precisely right. That's exactly right, right? it. And, and, and it's I think so that... Like, be- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I just wanted to say, because it, it helps us to understand something, because whenever you said something, uh, you spoke about the counsel of God, right? Whenever we think about the counsel of God, at least me growing up, it's the counsel of God is just God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. But now we're realizing that God, the counsel of God is not, it, it involves, like you said, all of creation. Yes. Because it, 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 it's being proclaimed all over to be heard. They are asking, telling us and teaching us that God has, in his grace, whatever, he has included us in yes. the council, in these well, decisions, this is, in these. This is tremendous. I didn't want to go too far off, but that's what well, well, it inspired. Well, that's what that's, that scripture you just read there, that scripture you just read there, it, is is just that if it will take the time to pause it and, and and dig deeper even based on what the other things you guys were just sharing because chapter 5 verse 2 it says i saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy so the first thing that we have introduced there and what this question is all about is the righteous judgment of god right because what he's asking is who is the rightful judge who can actually do this? Who, and of course we know no one but God, right? Manifested right. in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But it starts with a strong angel. And so what we have there is a revelation of order. Because the ranks of of, of, of sin, right. death, and hell originated amongst their own rank. The angelic host, wow. Lucifer himself, right. Right? right? So he's proclaiming 
who's going to put an end to this? Like you said, <laughs> okay. uh, it yeah. had to begin with, with the proclamation of an angel because it was the angelic host who plunged all creation into death and corruption and defilement and decay. That's how Peter describes it. So the mystery of yeah. godliness. Brother Marty, uh, and this kind of debunks, and we, we've spoken about this at length, you know, the way that the church has been taught that original sin began with Adam. That's correct. That's that's not correct. Sin did not begin with Adam. He he joined into the rebellion that that began before he was even created. Yes. Right. And and and, yeah. and and like you said, we have to begin to understand these things correctly. Otherwise, you know, we you know Jesus won't be glorified. You know, right. it's, it's this is this is a much larger thing that that's going on and 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 that we're facing, right? So yes. yeah, original sin did not begin. Cause there is teachings about that that original sin yes. began with Adam, and there's a big confusion and debate over that. And it's clear, it's very clear in Scripture that sin did not begin with Adam. It entered into this world through him, but it began. Yes. You know, mankind is not the one that needs to be subdued or wicked man, right? right. The, the one that needs to be subdued, and that's what this whole mystery of the gospel is all about and the manifestation of the Son of God becoming flesh, it's all about he, he's trying to subdue this creature. Yes, the wicked right? one. Job spoke, the wicked yeah, the, the Lord in the book of Job called him Leviathan, right? This yes. is what it's all about, and this is... This is the, really what the revelation, as you go along in the book of Revelation, it's, it's exactly what you're seeing. It's Jesus yes. Christ dealing with this creature. That's right. And, and, and the subduing of him. And when you talk about, uh, you know, the Bible indicates and teaches to us that, that human flesh itself, humanity, creation, the very building blocks that make up matter, when it came to humanity, Humanity became a container, like you said, a, a temple of sorts. The, the 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 meshing together of sentient soul, mind, will, emotions with material uh, construct. We call it simply a body. The sentient soul was breathed into that clay vessel, right? Material, and then it becomes a a conduit, a channel. I'm not being all new agey here, but I'm just trying to use words to describe, right? A, a container of expressed will, either divine will, which is the Father, mm -hmm. Son, and the Holy Spirit, or satanic will. And, and so what we see in humanity are two collective houses. We see the, the church of the living God, which Paul described as a habitation that is constructed and built up with Jesus Christ as its head, a, a house built up to inhabit God, which is done by the Spirit, right? You are built up a habitation of God through the Spirit. That's what Paul said. So that's one aspect of, of humanity. But then there's the children of darkness, and there is no gray area. You're one or the other. You can be a benign child of darkness, but you're a child of darkness nonetheless. That's why when you hear men talk about salvation or they hear the gospel, the first thing that they'll say is, well, I'm a good person. Well, that's not the issue. The issue is who's inhabiting you. 
and to what level you've allowed him to occupy spaces of your soul, which drive you in multiple directions, right? To do, you know, many people sin in in, in greater degrees than others, but nonetheless, they belong to the the wicked one. So you have two competing uh, energies or wills being expressed in material creation. And, and the origin of that which needed to be subdued began before there was ever material creation. This is the, <laughs> this is the great and incredible thing that the scriptures is telling us. And, and <laughs> so to reduce it down to what we've seen over the last 20, 30, 40, or even 100 years of, of ridiculous, you know, pseudo doctrinal thesis, by the backslidden theological seminaries and schools and pastorates of of Western society is absolutely a tragedy. But see, the spirit of God, and that brings us back to chapter one so we don't go too far out here, right? Uh, We're already way out here, but listen, this is why he says, to whom this revelation is being brought, chapter one, verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him specifically, Remember what it says in the book of, I think it's Ezekiel, where God proclaimed through his prophet that the Lord looked into the earth and he wondered, what, that there was no intercessor. There was nobody to stand in the gap for humanity. And so he just drops a little nugget there in the middle of, you know, 40-something chapters of Ezekiel. But it's a a key component to understanding and unlocking meditative pathways that, that, that download understanding into our very psyche and spirit. There's no intercessor. He's speaking it into the earth because he himself was going to become an intercessor. That's that's what Isaac asked Abraham way back in the beginning when he said, Father, here we have the wood, here we've got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham had a revelation of it. He said, God himself is going to provide a sacrifice. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So we have to understand, right, that that the, the past, present, and future, as it regards to the way God sees it, He sees it, He sees it as one, right? Yes. It's 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 time. He calls it time. Yes. He sees it as one. It's, it's the questions asked on the earth, right? Where is you know? There's no intercessor, or where is Father? Where is the Lamb? Right? Uh, yes. Isaac asked Abraham. We have to understand that those are the questions that were asked in eternity past. That's right. That are manifesting themselves in time and space uh, through human beings. Yes. Right. Uh, uh, Isaac being one of inspired. Right. Correct. Yeah. There you go. So, so think about that that connection there. So, so this these are questions that that we see, you know, and that's why it necessitated that. Uh, God would give the revelation to His Son, right? To yes. His Son, He He He's the one that answers all these things. He is the 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 one the answer personified, right? So yes. this is how the Holy Spirit desires desires to inspire us, you know. And this is how it is that we get the revelation through Jesus Christ. That's we right. begin now to think big picture and ask big picture questions. Yes. By his concerning prompting. the yeah, by his prompting, the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
concerning the unfolding eternal plan of God in the earth, right? Yes. Yeah, and see, and and and, and let's just pause right there because you, on a pastoral sense, right? What you just said, the unfolding plan of God. Well, you know, that's huge picture stuff. But yeah. to the average individual person that doesn't spend, you know, hours and hours every day thinking about these things, I mean, they just got to go to work and pay the bills. They want to understand, okay, that's all great and fascinating and stuff, but I got a real life here I'm still trying to trudge through here. So how does that apply to me? Well, right. what we're saying, right, is that if you don't at least try to begin to meditate on the big picture, then your everyday mundane life becomes just that without purpose. The drudgery, mm -hmm. the, the Samson picture, right? Blind and going around in circles, just treading out the corn. I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no meaning to it. But if you can understand that you are a component of a much larger expression and an ongoing unfolding will, plan, purpose, and drama that's been that's been in existence for the eons you can't even measure it and that you are a key integral part of that because you've been brought into existence precisely when you were meant to be you've been strategically interjected into the family you were meant to be born at the school you were meant to go to the place you were meant to work the people you're going to interact with ad infinitum throughout your whole life if you will understand that you are, like Paul said, an ambassador for Christ, and then fight to maintain that illumination given by the Spirit so that it's ever-present and in the forefront of your heart and mind, you become a Amen. significant weapon in the hand of Almighty God, and you become that child of light. You become that force for good, that force multiplier, as they like to say today. You bear much fruit, and that fruit remains in your Father's in heaven is glorified. My God, that'll preach. <laughs> That's true Christianity, brother. That's true Amen. Christianity. That's the yeah. true gospel. And that, that's what the apostles, the level they tried to bring the church into. Like, listen, you're, you're mm -hmm. part of something much larger. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're don't, don't begin to put your focus on, you know, uh, you know, this Christian deeds, you know, handing out new Testament Bibles and, and handing out waters yeah. and giving food, you know, to the poor. All those things are good. But when when do we enter into the eternal unfolding plan of God and have the understanding as the Holy Spirit by his grace reveals it unto us? You know what? My Lord, I am a part of something that is so marvelous and great and submit yeah. ourselves to it. Yes. Yeah. You know, then, only then, do we begin to walk after him. Yes. Yes. And, and, and Brother Jeremy, uh, just based on what Brother Fernando just said there, can you turn over to, to Ephesians chapter 1? Yes. And, and, and Because this is, this is what, what Brother Fernando was just saying. It's what Paul prayed in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, listen to what he says in verse 15 through 18. Can you read that real quick to us? Yes, yes. Uh, wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That what? Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I mean, we could spend weeks on what he just said there. The point is, that's what Brother Fernando's talking about. He says, once you begin to have the eyes of your understanding enlightened. Paul said, when I, see, now this isn't baby Christianity. This is Christianity. This is what he said. When I heard you believed and you had love for the saints, I knew you were born again, right? And he says, from that very moment, I began to pray and not stop praying for you that you would have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, who he really is and what he is accomplishing. It's going to require that the eyes of your understanding would be opened or enlightened so that you could know something. What's that? The hope of his calling. That's a fascinating phrase that God is reaching into the, 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 the realm of your life and calling you. And, and Paul is saying, your eyes have to be open to this to see it, but that, that the creator, he who was, who is, and is, is to come, the almighty, has been moving on the winds of his voice, the multitude of waters, the circumstances of your life, the undefinable quiet moments of your heart when you suddenly sense that there's something much larger than yourself. Paul calls it God is calling you. That's what it is. And he says, you need to understand that and have your eyes open. And so that you'll also understand that you are valuable to him. He defines it in this King James language by saying, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. You are his inheritance. You're the reason that he came. Every time he sees a saint of God on his knees crying out to him or singing a song of joy or one passing from this mortal coil into heaven, he is seeing his inheritance come to him and gather around him in the very throne room of Almighty God. You are his inheritance. He, he would have died like the old preachers say, if there was only one of you on earth, he would have come to die for you. But he didn't just die for one. He died for all who would come. And he's calling you. And he says, and this is the exceeding, you also need to understand what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who what? Believe according to what? The working of his mighty power. This is all about him. This is what he's doing. And you have a part of it. And then he says that you might go on to understand exactly what he did in Christ when he raised him from the dead setting him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world that is to come. And he's put everything under his feet and gave him the head over all things to his church. That, brothers and sisters, is extraordinary, what the scripture is saying. And so we're on the first sentence of the first verse of the book of Revelation. And uh, Ephesians, Brother Marty, that yeah. it's a commentary to Revelations 1. Well, you just yeah. read in, Revela in, in Ephesians, it's a commentary to what Revelations chapter 1, verse 1 is talking about. This is what we, what 
what Paul spoke about there is what God the Father gave to his son to show to us. Yes. That you might know, right? Yeah. That you might know. Well, that Absolutely. brings us to the next point, and, and we're going we're gonna to close with verse 1. We can't even get to verse 2. We can't even get past which God gave unto him, but we've got to move along. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this thing. But I think you can see, I mean, we're not even halfway through the first sentence. Yeah. And if and if we couldn't go an hour plus on 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 halfway through a first sentence, it wouldn't be the word of God. It is so <laughs> incredible what's being revealed. So just what Brother Fernando said. So we've kind of tried to cover what it means that God gave something to him, and what did He give him? The revelation. He's presented as Jesus Christ, which means that He's the human and the God Man, right? In one, He's still there. And this is what he's doing. He's making request, and what he's making request about, what he's asking God for, God gives it to him because he's the only one worthy. Like we read in chapter five, the angels themselves crying out, right? Who's gonna fix all this? You gonna say something, brother? Yes, I know we gotta hurry, but you know it, it also teaches us in in Jesus becoming man, right? The Son of God. It was always part of the grand scheme of things. It was the only way uh, it, it could happen. You know, the, uh, there's no other way. It, it was always part of it, him becoming man, right? Yeah. All yeah. things were given unto him so that, and then the Bible says, so that as he is, we could be too, you know? Yeah. But in yeah. what? In, in In understanding, like you said, not just information. I like that. I like what you quoted. Not just information, but the whole creation, <laughs> the whole creation. grand scheme of things. Right? The whole yeah. grand the, scheme of things. The building blocks, the substance, whatever adjective we can come up with, the tangible, workable substance that makes things come to pass. The quality of the eternal, almighty Creator, the sustainer of all things. He gave to his son, the man, Christ Jesus, what he requested. And when you read the 22 chapters, he gave him forever and ever and ever. Because when we get to the end of the book, the millennium is concluded. The seventh day is over. Everything's been removed. And we head into the eighth and glorious epic of the ages to come free of sin and death or any remote possibility of decay, corruption, or defilement ever happening in the ages ahead. It's beyond our human ability to understand, but it enlightens our spirit and it rejoices knowing that these things are so. This is what Jesus was requesting. Not only that the judgment and wrath of God would finally be poured out and culminate the rebellion of the ages, but he also prayed for the ensuing ages. There's a song I used to sing called When He Was on the Cross, I Was on His Mind, yeah. right? And in that it says, uh, he looked ahead in time. Amen. Right? He, he stayed there until it was finished, whatever finished means, right? I mean, he looked beyond our ability. He was being shown things, and he stayed there until it was complete. And and this is what he was asking God for in heaven. And when he received Hallelujah. it, he sent it to his servants. 
He sent it to us so that we would understand at a much more profound level than maybe any of us have ever comprehended before how magnificent his word is, how magnificent our Savior and King is, how magnificent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, and what the glory of the riches of his inheritance is in his servants, the saints. Remember, he, he sends to show it to his servants. Let me be quickly here because that this is who he's revealing this to. The word servants comes from the word doulos or doulos in the Greek. It's a particular group of people, and really it is his church. The word servant literally means a, 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 an involuntary or voluntary, in this case, a servant, a bond servant. Someone who has the right to walk away, but chooses rather to forever identify himself and yield himself to the Lord God Almighty, to Jesus Christ, his, 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 his master, right? It, it, it means to yield yourself into a servile condition. Metaphorically speaking, it means, listen to this, it is one who gives himself up to another's will, not my will. That's the word doulos. This is who will begin to understand the book of Revelation. This is who he's communicating to. This is who he's sending this revelation to. Those who give themselves up to his will. Those whose service is used by the Lord Jesus Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Those who are devoted to another person, in this case our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to the disregard of one's own interest. That is what a real mm. servant is. We no longer have our will, right? This is what we're laboring to attain in our own personal lives and encouraging our brothers and sisters at what we see him saying to us. This is that is about to unfold. These 22 chapters of the culmination of history and the destruction of that wicked one, that old serpent and his false prophet and anti-girl, all that stuff, man. This is what is being expressed to his servants, and they are the true church. They are the ones who have become a permanent member of his household by an act of their will, surrendering themselves to him in exclusive and absolute fidelity to his command, with love and joy at doing so, with an understanding ever progressively being unfolded through a lifetime of walking with him, just how magnificent our king truly is. And the eyes, like Paul said, of our understanding being opened and enlightened to understand where we're headed, brothers and sisters, is beyond a billion dictionaries to describe. And it's reserved for his servants. And that's who he wants to show it to, to his servants. And, and, and it says, <laughs> and, and this is what he tells us, right? And we pray we be counted amongst that number. And we strive for that. Now, listen. He says it must shortly come to pass. Very quickly now, must. It is necessary. This is what he begins to say. It was necessary. It's bound now. It's been wrapped up. It's been tied, if you will, up. It can't get away anymore. What Jesus won, when we read that God gave this to him, what he's now saying is it's done. It's determined. I've received it. It's tied up. It's bound. It's certain. It's been determined. It must shortly that word shortly is from the word takos, which means a brief space of time. And it's prefixed 
In other words, he's letting us know it's coming. It's only going to be a brief space space of time. And when it begins, it will begin with all quickness and speed and will come to a conclusion. That's what he's saying. So it wasn't necessarily that the next 2,000 years of history was going to see what he's saying, although components of it have always been resident throughout the church ages. What he's specifically saying, which is going to be the unlocking of the seals, the trumpets and the vials and the woes, is going to come in a predetermined time in the future. It's going to be a brief space of time. It's already been determined. I received it in prayer. My Father's given it to me. All of that was wrapped up in the cross and the resurrection. He won it. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. and I, I don't want to get too exuberant here, but that's what he's telling us. And he says, so let them know, John. Let them know that in the future, there will be a, pre, uh, a predetermined fixed time. It's brief, and it, when it begins and it starts, it's going to come quickly. It must shortly come. That word come is so incredible. It's the word in Greek, N. It's the instrumentality. It's the profound understanding of the position. Listen to this. The position of dimensional access points coming into material reality. <laughs> That's really <laughs> it's really oh, bad word. Yeah. But, but that's what he's saying. And when it comes, it's going to pierce the veil and come into the material world. An access point has now been won. That's why when you see Jesus, oh, my God, like I'm going to go on. So the old preacher says, somebody sit me down, right? No, that's what it means <laughs> when Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth, right? And then he led captivity yeah. captive, throwing off principalities and powers, going through every dimension. He was opening the access point for the future fixed point in time that God would give him and he would receive from his father through which he could now send the ultimate concluding will of God for this epic of time. That's what he's saying. And let them know, John, it's going to be in the future. And when it begins, it's for a brief space of time. It's already been fixed. And when it begins, it's going to come quickly, like a woman in travail, right, with speed. And then he says, it will come to pass. It must shortly come to pass. And that word pass is incredible. It comes from the word, uh, the Greek word, genomai, ahi, however you want to say it. It must come to pass. It means to be generated or to generate something into being. Now, I know some of you are like already, I can't handle this. My head is spinning. Well, just take your time through this teaching and, and, and take it slowly because we've given you a lot, of, a lot of revelation here as we've received it and as we believe the, the word is revealing to us. But when he says it must shortly come to pass, we've already been over those words. But to pass is that Greek word, which means it has to be generated. It has to be, it's almost as if it, it comes into being. However things work in, in the realm of heaven, where you have both past, present, and future existing simultaneously as a reality, somehow in the expression of God in the created universe as we experience it in the material realm, Jesus is revealing here that the next phase of concluding all matters must be concluded within the material realm. And so he's saying at that pre-fixed time, it's going to be a brief space of time. And when it begins, it'll be something quick 
and powerfully with speed entering into the point of dimensional access into the material world and the earth itself. And when it begins, it will generate something. <laughs> it will come into, and what is it that it's generating? It's, it's generating the will of God, the destruction of the devil. That's why the devil freaks out later in the book of Revelation when he comes into the earth, knowing that suddenly he's confined to time, a brief time, right? Knowing that he has a short time. He, he no longer can traverse the, uh, the, uh, the, the non-measurable dimensions of God. He's been relegated, and we believe he's here now. Uh, and, and he's been confined here, but knowing in that prefixed time that Jesus is revealing here in verse one that he's been confined to it, he's got all hell's breaking loose. That's why we, what you see happening in the world today, all hell is breaking loose. He's here. And, and so Jesus says, when that time begins, John, let them in the future know it's going to be a brief space of time. But this is important for that final generation to understand because they have to anchor their soul to the reality of it and the understanding of it. The greater the intensity, if you will pursue and seek God, his servants, he's showing this to his servants. That's what he said. The things which must shortly come to pass. If you pursue him up under the heat of the trial of the final age, it will be accompanied not with just a woe is me and this is more than I can handle kind of sensation. No, brothers and sisters, a, a direct impartation of the spirit of God's revelation in your in your innermost being like david prayed in the hidden part in the inward part that's why when you go on in chapter one it says that john says i heard a voice i was in the spirit and i heard something see he's revealing to us right there that that this intensity that's about to unfold and we're already beginning to experience the outer edges of it he's saying that coupled with that if you will remain in the spirit you're not going to hear a little whisper of God or have a little feeling here or a promise calendar scripture will come to you. No, no, no. Those that pursue him at servant level who have surrendered their will to him in these times, which is his church, trust me, there ain't going to be any other kind. This is what the heat of these times, this final church is like the first church is going to have. It's this kind of dedication. It's this kind of maturity. It's this kind of life that flourishes up under the heat of it, like our brothers in China or in Africa or in the other parts of the world that have been suffering like these kinds of trials. These are some of the greatest Christians or the greatest brothers and sisters you'd ever want to meet. But what made them that way was their ability to walk through the heat and the fire and the trial and the testing of these last times and remain faithful to God, not without assistance, but completely assisted by the Spirit of God. The only thing necessary is surrendering your will to His will, understanding if you do that what will accompany that surrender is a revelation of all things in varying mm. degrees, of course, right? And so he's saying here that it must shortly come to pass. It will be generated. It will come into existence. It will begin to be. It'll come to pass. Events. They'll begin to arise and appear on the stage of history. That's what he's saying. As if a man comes from behind the stage and suddenly he's made manifest to the audience in front of him, right? I mean, this is, this is what he's saying. And he's saying, when that predetermined fixed time occurs in the not-too-distant future, let them know, John, that 
that when it begins, it's only for a brief time. Herein is the faith and the patience of the saints, right? We're being called to a higher level. We're meant to graduate. We're coming into different schools of understanding of the Spirit, the same kind of understanding the Holy Fathers of the Church had, the apostles, prophets, and evangelists, pastors, and teachers of the early centuries and throughout the ages from Moses, all Abraham, go back as far as you want, Enoch. All of them had a collective fellowship and a symbiotic spiritual connection. For holy men of old, like the Bible says, were moved by the Holy Spirit with inspiration to utter the divine. It's a revelation that came into them. That's why Paul prayed that way. Oh, that your eyes would be open, because mine were. Who better to write about enlightened eyes than one whose natural eyes were blinded at the sight of the light that outshone the sun? Hallelujah. That's the kind of thing we're entering into. Now, yeah. what the prophet Daniel had revealed to him, though, was that none, check this out, none of the wicked will understand, but the wise will brothers and sisters i want to encourage you we're not going to go through this thing alone you're not going to have to just suck it up and hope you make it through if you will allow god to have his way and that is my prayer every day when i fail when i succeed it doesn't matter i pray the same way god have your way i need you i need you to help me i need you to bring me through and he does so i don't care if you messed up get up brush yourself off and run to him naked as you are and throw yourself on his mercy and ask him to dig into the deepest parts of your soul so that you can say without any kind of backing up or any kind of check in your heart that you've settled it with God and that he has, has, has truly received you into his house. And there ain't no going back. There ain't no bridge. There ain't no off-ramp. There ain't no yield sign. It's full ahead with Christ all the way. And if you will, a glory awaits, like Paul said. Nothing is to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And John, <laughs> that's what Jesus is saying. I sent it. It's going to be generated. And I send it by my angel. That's so powerful to me. Hallelujah. We can debate who the angel is, right? <laughs> is it yeah. is it Gabriel? Is that Jesus' angel? Is it Gabriel? Because he's the one who announced to Mary that holy thing that shall be born of you. It shall be called the, you know, the, the son of the living God, right? Is that his angel he's talking about? Or is it Daniel? And we'll look at that tomorrow more in depth. Is it Daniel that sent it to John? I think it, I think, I think it might be Gabriel, but we can debate it. But he sends it to John. And now John, think of this, at 90-something he actually enters in to the greatest aspect of his ministry. So those of you out there who think you're too old to do anything, hey, man, John was 90-plus years old when he got this thing. <laughs> yeah. God Great will God. squeeze every drop out of you, brother. I'm telling you. He, he, <laughs> ain't no retirement. There ain't no sunny shores in Israel for you. I mean, I'm telling you what. Moses was 80, <laughs> and he was just getting started, right? My God. Glory to God. Not, yes. It ain't over till it's over, till God says it's over. Now, listen, we'll close with this, and we'll pick it up here tomorrow. Who bore record of the word of God, John. John begins to testify three things, right? He bore record of the word of God. He's talking about the Logos. And we'll get into this tomorrow. Because right now, all we're going through right now, brothers and sisters, is, is verse 1 through 3. It's the introduction. 
<laughs> it's just the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. The word of God, the Logos, it's so powerfully mysterious. The word Logos, the divine expression is what he saw. Wow. And how he saw is also going to be revealed. I want to read something to you just to leave it with you. This comes from some of the early writings of the apostolic fathers, those who knew John and, and the early early saints of God. This this brother wrote, one of the, he doesn't even name himself. I was reading this this morning, and just to leave this thought with you, what John has said he first bore witness to was the logos of God. The first thing he saw, he uses that Greek word logos. It's, it's the way he introduced him in the Gospels. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? The Word is that word Logos. It's that mysterious aspect of God. It's the ever-presentness of God. And so he's trying to show us what Jesus is showing him is ever-present and ready to happen. It's alive. It doesn't have to come into being. It's eternal. I'm bearing witness that this is what I saw. And so I read with this brother, he was writing to another brother in the first century. And and this is what he talks about. And this is, I think, the best way to describe what Logos actually is. Listen to this. Speaking of Jesus, he says he, or speaking of God, he says, yes, he was always of such a character and still is and will ever be kind and good, free from wrath and true and the only one who is absolutely good. And he formed, listen to this, speaking of God, this is how he, he writes about it. He says, he formed in his mind a great and unspeakable conception, which he communicated to his son alone. As long then as he held and preserved his own wise counsel in concealment he appeared to neglect us and to have no care over us but after he revealed and laid open through his beloved son the things which had been prepared from the beginning he conferred every blessing all at once upon us so that we should wow. both share in his benefits and see and be active in his service. Who of us would have ever expected these things? He was aware then of all things in his own mind, along with his son, according to the relation which subsists between them both. That's Logos. That's what it means. That mysterious... Powerful plurality and unity of the Godhead, which has chosen to express itself in such a marvelous way throughout the ages, and the great and multiple complexity of all that's being done by our great Heavenly Father through His Spirit by His Son is only now beginning to be made known in ways, I think, that this generation has never heard before. So we'll pick it up from here tomorrow the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants. Brother Jeremy? Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> Hopefully tomorrow we can get over five words. We did four today. We did decent. <laughs> God gave. <laughs>
<laughs> this is powerful. You know, um, as I speak to the listener today, uh, maybe you're like me. You grew up in church, you know, all of your life. And, um, you know, the gospel that's being preached, and this is not to, you know, put away everything you've learned, but it, it goes beyond just Jesus dying for my sins and my, you know, very superficial. We're beginning to understand that it has deeper and greater meaning beyond our understanding. And the fact is that God desires to make himself known. Amen. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom God gave unto him. And he showed it to his servants. Amen. And so we're going to, that's what God wants to reveal. And when you understand these things, you will understand your purpose and what we're carrying and what God is asking of us, what we are declaring, not just to this world, but unto creation the cosmos, the world, to see. And uh, I am looking forward to this study, uh, and I believe the time has come, amen, where God is going to reveal more from this mysterious book called the Book of Revelation. We pray that your appetite has been teased today, and that you'll come back tomorrow and join us as we continue to study from the Book of Revelation. We pray the Lord bless you. We pray the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.